Alrighty, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 458. Uh, we are recording live on Tuesday, March the 31st. Uh, Brianna, how are you this week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, we are still, you know, hunker down like everybody else. And yeah, I mean, I've been trying to get outside when I can and enjoying some uh, extra pollen here in the southeast and uh, so if I'm like sneezing or sniffling that is why um, but you know I'm hanging in there how are you doing we're good you know we're uh, we're surviving and you know we're we, we are also hunkered down and trying to get the uh, kids to uh, focus now and actually do some kind of you know schoolwork and study uh, you know uh, kind of uh, homeschool type of environment this week um you know vacation's over <laughs> it's kind of what i told them on the weekend so um yeah so that's sort of happening a little bit and um yeah weather's starting to warm up a little bit here but uh, obviously there's nothing to really go and do and they've shut all the public spaces and parks and beaches and everything up here so um yeah so other than walking around you know in your neighborhood um you know it's uh that's pretty much it. Um, but otherwise things are good. You know, everybody's happy and healthy and, you know, um, getting along at the moment. So yeah. Can't, can't complain. So and anyway. break this week starting. So we supposed to be Dominican Republic this week, the family, but instead we're still together as a family and healthy. And so we're just counting our blessings and staying positive and remembering we'll get a nice uh vacation and when all of this is over right exactly who knows we may want to all vacation on our own after all of this <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't want to spend time together after this um yeah we'll <laughs> um, so we got a, a slightly different show this week uh just four industry stories uh mostly featuring different members actually um in terms of things that are going on around the covid crisis um and then in the middle of it i did a guest interview with one of our members last week uh, a company called crowdthink out of the uk uh, that we'll share as well uh, and then uh, just as a heads up kind of moving forward uh, from next week on uh, we're going to change the format a little bit we're doing a special series of podcasts over the next number of weeks uh, that we're calling Members at Home. And it, we'll be doing a number of guest interviews with different member companies all over the world uh, and just kind of hearing from them how their business is adapting to the COVID crisis and, uh, you know, what they're doing and, and uh, you know, how it's impacted them uh, both personally and, and from a company perspective and maybe their communities at large. So that's kind of... Uh, what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks and we'll if there's any interesting stories we'll throw those in as well but uh that's uh that's what's coming so all right i'll let you uh, kick it off with our first story for the week all right well we've seen a few of these um location data companies putting out different uh studies of the data and what's going on um, amongst the uh, coronavirus uh, spread or movement of people um, we saw, I think, um, I'm trying to remember who else sent one out. Exmo did one recently. And, um, you know, our friends at Unicast have done one as well. So they released a, what they called a social distancing dashboard. 
to sort of show how different Americans are complying. And by different Americans, they mean, um, you know, aggregated level, like at a state or a county level, and just showing, you know, how the movements have slowed down. And they started this uh, on March 20th. So this was picked up by the Washington Post. And um, I mean, to be honest, I was a little bit annoyed with how they spun this whole story. Uh, and you know why? Because they like, it's like everything is about, you know, they say that like, oh, everybody's cell phone data is being used. And it just makes it seem like this huge, um, like infringement upon privacy when we know that all of the data that Unicast is leveraging is opted in data. So, you know, they, the Washington Post kind of started out this story talking about like, if you don't want your phone's location showing up on social distancing map or in the hands of marketers, you know, carefully vet the apps on um, you have installed or just turn off your phone's location services. I'm like, how about just stay at home? Okay, just do what you're supposed to be doing. And it's not like they're saying, you know, a thief's going out or not going out. They're just saying like this state has had a decrease in movement. So um, I think that the whole like approach to the story was a little bit frustrating, but the data itself that Unicast showed, I thought was very interesting. So what they did is they sort of assigned this grade chart as if you were in school A through F um, on places. So uh, an A grade would give a state, you know, um, an A grade if they saw at least a 40% decrease in the average distance traveled between data points um, on a regular basis within a certain state. So on March 20th, they started this. And so some of the states that received an A grade included Alaska, Massachusetts, Nevada, and Vermont. And they also noted some really big reductions that were visible in some of the areas that were have been, you know, really um, hit pretty bad with the virus and like New York City saw a 57% change and um, Santa Clara County in California saw a 54% change. So I think this is really interesting how they're just showing, you know, at an aggregated level of a city or a county or a state, how well people are um, reducing their, their movement. Now, obviously there are things to take into consideration um, that they are maybe doing a deep dive into that they have not released yet but you know how many data points are people visiting has the point of interest that people are visiting outside and decreased because maybe they're just going to the grocery store or maybe they're farm workers so you don't really need to worry about that or are they keeping six feet of distance between them and other people when they are going out like these are all nuanced things but I think that you know as a whole just seeing that people are slowing down and are listening um, you know pretty well is a good thing uh, the state that received an F is pretty interesting and that was Wyoming um, I don't know, people probably are traveling a lot because it's like spread out farmland. And so I would assume that people could go for miles without seeing another human being in somewhere like Wyoming, but I don't know. Um, so overall, I think this is really interesting, you know, looking at the data and how this is, um, you know, also the, the, the virus. So how are we as citizens affecting or not affecting this um, at an aggregate level, not from an infringement on privacy? What do you think? Yeah, completely. I mean, that was my reaction as well. I think, you know, as we talked about last week, uh, I think there there is a place for using this type of data in these types of uh, crisis scenarios, emergency uh, scenarios where uh, it's important to kind of use the data 
in an aggregate framework, in an anonymous framework to, you know, uh, not only share, um, you know, how well people are, are complying with the rules and social distancing and whatnot, but, you know, even notifying people um, proactively that they may have come in contact with somebody, um, you know, without naming, you know, who that person is uh, or knowing who you are, just knowing that, you know, this device was near another device that, you know, uh, is with somebody who had tested positive or whatever. So I think things like that are uh, quite possible and, 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 and should be uh, happening uh, in this type of scenario. This is all about, you know, trying to uh, get this thing under control. So I'm completely with you. I think that, um, you know, obviously it, it's not infallible in terms of, you know, what they're doing here. Um, I think, you know, creating these kinds of visualizations everybody's doing it who's in our industry today um you know you mentioned expo really something i saw something this morning from esri in australia uh showing uh, what was going on there uh you know in terms of a map visualization as well um so you know obviously cnn is doing this every day in terms of showing you know different uh, you know visuals on um you know the uh the densities of, of cases and whatnot so um you know I, I i think this is good i think it's important uh, and i'm glad to see that our members are you know kind of leveraging their data in, in these ways so that's that's all i have to say about it so there you go all right on to our second story sticking with an, uh, other members that are opening up their tech uh in fiction uh which is an indoor um data company indoor intelligence uh, company uh, has decided to uh, open up a lot of its location-based tech and its applications uh, for either uh, at um, uh, free or at very re uh, significantly reduced rates to healthcare providers in particular. Um, so you can imagine a lot of hospitals, a lot of healthcare facilities, um, you know, especially when, you know, they're just getting overwhelmed with patients and staff and, and people running all over the place in a crisis mode, uh, knowing where equipment is, being able to track assets, being able to find things uh, physically in a building, um, you know, is one of the, you know, uh, primary use cases for indoor positioning and indoor technology uh, in general. And so, you know, whether that's indoor maps or positioning tags or sensors or, you know, the analytics around that, uh, that's one of the things companies like Infiction, you know, do really, really well. Uh, and so they're opening up and making that tech available, uh, you know, in a lot of cases free of charge to uh, these types of healthcare facilities right now. Um, uh, they have uh, the ability to publish uh, near real-time color-coded maps for patients and staff showing quarantine versus general population zones in, in, in closed areas. They have, you know, sort of all that kind of wayfinding type of thing uh, that, you, that we see a lot uh, with this type of technology, navigating uh, buildings and getting to the right place. Um, you know, and, and as I said, the asset tracking of equipment like ventilators and wheelchairs and you know, all those kinds of things that just need to be found uh, in a building that can easily get misplaced when people are running around, you know, in a very uh, sort of busy, uh, you know, kind of state of mind and, and trying to just, you know, uh, help as many people as quickly as possible. So there's a lot of really cool things that, that the, uh, you can do with this type of technology and Infection has, uh, you know, thankfully kind of made this available to, uh, to healthcare uh, providers. Um, so yeah, that's just another good story about what's going on in our industry. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's great that they are willing to, um, you know, partner with whatever that they, whatever they can on their side for resources for these hospitals. And 
Um, asset tracking specifically, I think is really important in these times. And this may be something that's just like too late for some of the hospitals who have been really hit hard to implement at this time. But, you know, there's still a lot of areas where there is not, um, you know, there hasn't been tons of, out, you know, outbreak or, or cases so far. And so maybe this is something that their IT teams and tech teams can take a look at to go ahead and get them ready and prepare them as best as possible so that they can make sure that they are providing the best service to their patients and um, having an idea of where things are. So I think that this is great. You know, if you are in healthcare, I highly recommend you check this out and, and um, you know, see how you can loop this in. And, um, you know, I think this is teaching all of us, like, how can we be better prepared for anything in the future? So I like this. Yeah. So there you go. So that's our kind of first two stories uh, for this week. Um, as I said uh, at the top uh, of the show, the I had a chance to sit down last week with one of our members and do a bit of a guest interview. Uh, it's a company called uh, CrowdThink. Uh, they're out of uh, the UK. Uh, and they're a very interesting company that uses location data really in a lot of ways around public safety uh, applications um, and just you know, sort of communicating with communities in certain buildings uh, and properties, um, uh, you know, really to help them be aware of, uh, of crisis situations and things like that. So, you know, obviously very uh, timely uh, at this uh, particular uh, stage of what we're dealing with here. Uh, they've launched a new initiative uh, yesterday called Community Crowd. Um, and uh, it's basically targeted at the elderly and vulnerable um, with a like sort of messaging platform uh, for people to kind of, and, and the government is using this, uh, the home office in the UK is using this to kind of communicate out to people, reaching out to volunteers and government agencies and giving them the tools to, to communicate uh, with, uh, with one another in an anonymous uh, uh, framework. They don't store any location data, um, you know, in terms of how they go about this, but I'll let Jeff kind of talk more about it uh, in, uh, in the interview here. So here he is, Jeff Ravel. The uh, co-founder and CEO of uh, uh, CrowdThink. All right, uh, very excited this week as we have a special guest on our show. His name is Jeff Ravel, and he's the co-founder and CEO of a, a company called CrowdThink, uh, a great, interesting new LBMA member company out of the UK. Jeff, welcome to Location Weekly. And uh, good morning, good day, everybody, and uh, hello, Asif. Yeah, so. CrowdThink might be relatively new uh, to a lot of our listeners and viewers around the world. Maybe just a little background on, you know, who you guys are, where you're based, um, you know, and kind of the, the sort of origin of the company. Sure. So uh, we're a British company um, based in uh, the beautiful Southwest, which is where uh, Dartmoor and, uh, and those places are, and Cornwall isn't so far away. So uh, lovely part of the world. And um, our, our business um, is that we're, we're addressing the challenges of building uh, social platforms in the context of place and integrating that with the operational services of the venues uh, so that they're an integral value add to the, you know, the digital social experience. Excellent. And, and so how long have you guys been operating now or, or at this? So we've been financially trading about uh, a bit over two years now. Um, as a startup, we, we existed before that. Uh, 
like a lot of startups, a lot of blood, sweat and tears going into the, uh, the pre-revenue phase. Um, but uh, uh, we, are, we are now there and, um, and, and we're now at the phase where we're sort of moving through the early adopters. Excellent. And so tell us a little bit about the product itself or, you know, what, what is, what is CrowdThink? What, what do you guys do for a living? And how's it different? So, so the plat- so so we, we actually, in very simple terms, build a uh, an app uh, called the Crowd with a K, um, and uh, it's a free platform that anybody can take to any venue, and and check into the venue um, without any setup or configuration, and connect with the people around them. So in effect, it's a bit like a, a giant WhatsApp group um, that comes into being around every venue. Um, or a little bit like a sort of inbound Twitter feed um, for the venue. So it's a social platform for every venue in the world. Um, what's unique and different about it is that we facilitate the venue taking uh, managerial control, operational control of that platform and overlaying services like integrating safety and security capabilities, um, uh, brand protection through customer complaint management or uh, issue concern management, and of course, uh, promotional activities in the context of the places that they visit. So we really focus on venues with a large public gathering. Okay, um, and and one one thing that you know I've come as I've come to know you guys a little bit over the last uh, you know couple of months, um, you know the privacy and security aspects of how you handle data, the little data that you have on consumers is I think somewhat unique. So maybe give us a little bit more detail on that. Sure. Um, so there was a time I worked in Silicon Valley. It was when you know products like Facebook were being born and, and I kind of observed the culture of the way in which these systems were being built. And I always had a concern in the back of my mind that for society, they weren't you know, entirely a good thing. They do some very good things, but not always for society entirely beneficial. And the, and the question was, how do we build a different type of business model that means that we can digitally engage online without actually having everything we do tracked and monitored, and yet still deliver value both at the business level um, and to the individual? Um, and that's kind of the, the thorny thing that we were tackling. And, and centered to that, we realized that location was probably the single piece of data that pretty much everybody um, understands they should try and protect. Um, and more and more are trying to protect it. And the regulatory direction of travel is to give people the powers to protect it. And, and that's a problem because, you know, it's a very valuable asset for businesses. And frankly, it's a very valuable asset for the individual if, if properly managed. So the challenge we set ourselves was how do we deliver location-based value in a social context without knowing location? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we managed to do. And, uh, what we essentially do is we built a platform that co-locates people rather than locates them. It knows that they're in the same place at the same time, uh, but actually has no idea where they are. Um, the service provision is from the operational team of the place, so they know where they are. The people in the crowd with a C, uh, they know where they are. So everybody who needs to know where they are knows where they are, but we have no data, we have no information, and so their location is sustained as as private um, and you know not shared with anybody. Um, so we create a different kind of engagement value proposition between place and people in a uh, in a crowded place. 
Amazing. Yeah, it's a very unique uh, way to go about it. Uh, so uh, kudos on that. The uh, Can you give us a, um, a, a use case, an example of how, uh, you know, a client or a customer uh, has been able to leverage this in the last little while? Yeah, so a good example is is either a retail mall or, or another one which is very similar was a, um, a major sports event with children. And um, so let's take the retail mall. Let's say you've, you know, you're a parent, single parent, wandering around the retail mall, you've got three kids and one runs off. You know, we, we've all, if, you've, if you're a parent, you've been there, right? Um, and what do you do? Do you run, go chasing after them? Do you leave the one behind? Uh, you know, you're, you're stuck. So what we effectively do, what this platform effectively does is it allows the, CC, the security CCTV cameras of the venue to become immediately of service to that, that parent. Uh, they just tap an app, to open up the app, they tap a button, they can immediately share an image with, of their child with the security team. They can determine, you know, using CCTV where that child is and either uh, send the security member after it or, or inform the parent where that, uh, where that child is, you know, currently hiding. Right? Um, so that's a good example of, of, you know, what we're doing is, is bringing what is traditionally a, a very passive service in the venue and delivering it now as an active tool for the public to visit the venue. I love it. it it's um, again, it, it, it's very unique in, in how you're kind of providing that sort of value layer on, um, you know, on the existing infrastructure, essentially uh, in something like that, that exists in a mall environment. Uh, I can see a number of applications for that. La last thing um, I wanted to touch on is um, yeah, obviously we're all, the whole world right now is, uh, you know, is, is in lockdown dealing with this COVID-19 uh, uh, crisis uh, in various ways. Um, but, uh, you know, this type of data um, and this type of sort of uh, crowd communications and, and engagement, you know, is something that um, can play a big role, I think, in, in helping, um, you know, protect the public safety uh, in a lot of ways, uh, shared information uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I understand you guys are, you know, sort of opening up your platform to, uh, to kind of participate um, and, and provide a service around this. Um, maybe, maybe just touch on that a little bit as well. Yeah, so on, on, on Monday the 30th, we'll be launching a community crowd. And this is a means by which uh, crowds can, can form themselves, crowds being crowd with a K, uh, in the context of the, the, uh, the places that they live, um, and very easily use the platform to either offer assistance or indicate that uh, they need assistance, um, and do all of this without anybody in that platform being required to share their phone numbers like WhatsApp does, or the complete contact list which WhatsApp seems to demand access to um, you, know, you can do it completely privately. And of course, this opens up other opportunities for integration with more sensitive services. So for example, we're already being asked to put a proposal in for a very rapid turnaround with the UK government to uh, um, submit an idea about how we can connect the vulnerable in, in, uh, in communities and uh, in facilitate them engaging with one another for you know, self-help and support in this in this time when otherwise they're very otherwise very isolated, and to have the ability to overlay that with uh, you know the appropriate um, professional support coming from another isolated location. So consider it a bit like a 
a group therapy session platform, mm -hmm. you know, that's that version of it, um, able to be done because the platform is fundamentally trustworthy and private by design. Uh, you can engage in that space confident that what's said in that crowd stays in that crowd. This is not a social platform for the world to know what the hell's going on. This is a social platform for the people in that context to, to engage with and, and only those people. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. Um, Jeff for uh, for coming and uh, on the show this week and, and just sharing a little a, a little snippet of insight into what you guys are doing it's it's incredibly fascinating and powerful uh, and 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 valuable and useful I think as well to uh, to many uh, you know whether it's a mall operator or a government or or the citizens themselves um, a very uh, unique way to leverage location data so we're excited to have CrowdThink as as part of the LVMA community uh, and to be working with you. Um, so again, for our listeners and, and viewers out there, uh, we've been chatting with Jeff Ravel. He's uh, the co-founder and CEO of a UK-based company called CrowdThink. Uh, thanks so much, Jeff. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Jeff. We really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing uh, your insights and what you guys are doing uh, as a company and in particular around the, uh, the COVID uh, uh, crisis at the moment. So thanks so much for, for doing that. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, we have two more stories that uh, we want to highlight this week and I'll let Aubriana kick it off with a kind of a fun story uh, from uh, our, our friends, uh, you know, down in Brazil. Yeah, so um, this is a story from McDonald's in Brazil, and they were working with their Brazilian ad agency, DPZNT, um, and they recently did some branding on their social media um, to separate the golden arches. So where they used to be together and create that, you know, bright yellow M that we know and love so much, um, they had separated them with the statement, separated for a moment so that we can always be together. Um, now, this was fun and playful, I think, but I, it did receive a good bit of heat and backlash um, on social media when they put this out. So, you know, somewhere just maybe that they could do something different rather than maybe just taking advantage of global pandemic and, you know, branding exercises for this, like pay workers more or donate to a cause or things like that. Um, but, you know, McDonald's isn't alone in sort of some of these initiatives and, and trying to make an impact through some of their branding. Um, you know, we recently saw Times Square in, uh, in Times Square, Coca-Cola debuted a permanent billboard that had the Coca-Cola logo that was like spread out um, with the message, staying apart is the best way to stay united. And Nike did a recent post that said, you know, if you ever dreamed of playing for millions around the world, now is your chance. Play inside, play for the world. So, you know, the move with McDonald's came just a couple days before they shut down and closed up uh, more than 1,200 restaurants in UK and Ireland. Um, and so, I mean, I think, I think that this may have been maybe ill-received by some. I wasn't necessarily offended by it. But what I do understand is that I think all of us have to be asking ourselves in this time, um, is this the right climate? Is this message with empathy? And can we make a difference at individuals as well as, uh, you know, businesses? So, you know, this is a question I'm asking myself as, you know, a business leader as well as, you know, just a citizen of the world. Um, you know, something that this brought to my mind was I was just reading yesterday. I was 
uh, chatting with my in-laws and um, my sister-in-law is a nurse and Pennsylvania and a lot of you know cases but they are expecting it to get worse because they are uh, close to New York City and so you know my other sister-in-law and brother-in-law and my mother-in-law decided to cook like this wonderful huge meal and they you know coordinated with the the hospital and they were able to take this meal and drop it off to um, all the nurses and doctors and, and feed them and I thought what a great story of like what individuals could do just to make a difference and try and support those that are helping protect us and keep us safe. And so I'd love to see something so simple as, you know, cooking a home cooked meal for those who needed it this time um, reflected with these big brands that have the ability to make a huge impact and a huge difference beyond the branding. I think when you pair that with other impactful things, um, it goes a long way and resonates really well. Um, with people, but sometimes I think when it's just coming out the gate with just the separating of the arches or something like that, it can come across as not so empathetic and and maybe just taking advantage of a situation to make you know an impact for yourself. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm so so. Here, here's my thoughts on this one. I, I think that um, you know from a marketing uh, advertising perspective, I think it's it, it's it's a smart move. I think it's a uh, good branding uh, from their point of view. I, I mean, I get, you know, uh, some people don't like it, but, but here's the thing. So, you know, we we've covered a lot of stories on this show over the last you know year from Burger King, you know, obviously one of their biggest competitors. And I was following this story last week um, and Fernando uh, Chato, who's the chief global marketing officer of Burger King, uh, actually wrote a comment uh, about this. And he said that, he wouldn't judge McDonald's based on this uh, isolated activity in one single country. They do a lot to support communities, and I'm pretty sure this is not the only thing that they're doing during COVID-19. That was like I'm quoting him, um, and uh, so and this is like their their direct competition. The chief global marketing officer for Burger King saying that you know he you know he thinks that you know th this is good marketing and you know we we shouldn't judge it in, in on a pure isolated. Um, you know, peace. There's a lot that they're doing as a company. Um, you know, and I think it's, as you say, I think, you know, there's a lot of local things that are happening all over the world. Uh, you know, whether it's, uh, I heard this morning, you know, of one of the big fast food uh, companies is, is uh, you know, forgiving uh, rent charges to franchisees and, you know, all sorts of different things, you know, to make it easier for them to keep operating. There's a lot going on in the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think from a pure marketing branding perspective, you know, kind of trying to talk about social distancing and separating the arches, it's brilliant. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a good, it's a good move, but on its own, it can be taken out of context as, you know, you know, sort of taking advantage of the situation. But when you look at the whole of what they're doing as a brand and, you know, across the world and different communities, uh, and trying to support and giving free meals to healthcare workers and all kinds of other things. Um, I, I think there's a bigger picture we need to pay attention to. That's all. Yeah, I agree. I think that sometimes people just want to write off, you know, what they don't realize is McDonald's is more than just, you know, this big corporate entity. Yes, it is that. And they are, you know, a billion dollar global company. However, there's a lot of franchisees and owner operators that are suffering during this time as well. And they're directly impacted as well as, the employees of McDonald's and McDonald's does do a lot of charitable things. You know, you have Ronald McDonald house where they're constantly helping mm -hmm. families who 
um, have a need, you know, whose children are going through tough medical procedures at that time. And so I think that they are, they do take this seriously. So I think that you have to balance this, that like whether you are a, an individual or, you know, a big, you know, corporation asking yourself what you can do and also not judging others because likely there's something that they are already doing and maybe this is just part of it. So, um, you know, seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. So there you go. Um, all right. Our final story, kind of sticking with the restaurant industry, uh, our good friends at Yelp uh, have a program going as well. Uh, they're offering $25 million in free ads to bars and restaurants to help them get through the, uh, the struggle right now. Um, so they're um, basically this is to support independently owned restaurants, so not big chains or franchises. Uh, so these are, are it's really targeted at the independents, the small you know sort of mom and pop restaurants uh, uh, and bars. Um, and uh, so basically, they're waiving the advertising fees for small eateries, um, and they were and also these these uh, uh, businesses will receive free access to Yelp page upgrades to help facilitate communication. Uh, around things like uh, uh, you know uh, business hours that they're operating or not operating uh, and things like that um, and um, this is uh, available in Canada the US including Puerto Rico and the US Virgin Islands so uh, good for y'all I mean I, I you know I think everybody's trying to do what they can right now to, to help um, you know businesses either stay open uh, or keep operating if they're in sort of that essential category if providing food um, and uh, so I think this is uh, really great of, of Yelp to kind of uh, try to help the, the small business owner in this way. Yeah, I mean, I definitely applaud this and I think what they're doing is great as a small business owner. I know how important that is. And, you know, we, I think, to do to help us stay open and moving forward, so. Awesome. So that's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, we've had four interesting industry stories from various members uh, on all how they're trying to either provide data or provide assistance um, to uh, companies, to people, uh, you know, as we all deal with uh, this global pandemic. Um, and, a, and a little guest interview in the middle there with uh, Jeff from uh, CrowdThink. So we thank you for listening and watching. This has been episode 458 of Location Weekly. As I said, we'll be back next week uh, with a slightly different format for the next number of weeks as we do interviews with various members around the world and hear from them directly on how this crisis is impacting them and their businesses. So thank you, everybody. Please comment on social media channels. Give us likes. Uh, give us story ideas. Share what you're seeing out there in terms of how this is impacting you. Uh, if you're a member uh, company, by all means, reach out to us and, and uh, let us know that you want to be interviewed uh, as well. And uh, we're happy to, to, to do that. So uh, uh, thanks, everyone, and have a great week. Stay, stay, stay safe, stay healthy, uh, and stay home. So, um, yeah, thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh,